Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And here we go, the last of five consecutive days on the show, if you can believe it. A whole week of In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, the orange at home for back-to-back football games, so we're getting settled in here. Tomorrow, it's the Cuse and Pitt of the Carrier Dome at 12.30, and so much to sort through with baseball cranking up its postseason. In fact, we've got a game on now as the Astros and Red Sox are set to play their game, too. You can hear that game on ESPN 1200 AM. It's also on the tube, so we'll keep an eye on that for you. Coming up on the show today, we'll talk orange basketball with Mike Waters, the esteemed beat writer at Syracuse.com, and we'll visit with Wes Durham of the ACC Network. He's got the call of the Orange game against Pitt tomorrow. Big news in the ACC last night as NC State knocked off Louisville, so the Wolfpack train continues to roll here, and uh, this is an NC State team that really could have, should have, be undefeated at this point. They gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown on the very first play of the season, against South Carolina, spotted them seven, did not make up for it the rest of the way, and uh, have been close to turnover-free since. They did cough it up once last night, but went on to a 39-25 win, really buried Louisville. So Louisville's fortunes changed. They're going in the wrong direction. NC State headed in the right direction. Syracuse has to play all of them as the Orange are in uh, the division with all of these teams that you know maybe Louisville drops from the rankings now. But uh, NC State moves up in that spot. Wake Forest uh, takes on Clemson, although Wake is decent, not favored to win that. Clemson figures to be undefeated and ranked second in the country when they come to the Carrier Dome next week. Good to have you with us, Matt and Polly, on the show today. You can join us by phone at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44 in the booth. Brought to you by CNYRealtor.com, Burdick Ford, and CH Insurance. Let's get you caught up on the games that happened last night. First around Major League Baseball, the Yankees. And you can hear some of those games on ESPN Radio, but certainly all of them on TK99. And it did not go well for the Bombers in Game 1 of the American League Division Series last night in Cleveland. Cleveland really one of the top teams in baseball, especially in the second half of the season. And uh, they're saving Corey Kluber for today. They got by and how with Trevor Bauer yesterday's he threw shutout ball, and Jay Bruce provided the offense. Bruce with a drive high in the air to right field. Judge at the wall, can only watch. That one's gone. Earlier tonight, we called Jay Bruce a notorious fly ball hitter. Indeed, his whole game is to lift it in the air. He's got one of the highest fly ball line drive rates in baseball, a double and a home run to different sides of the ballpark tonight. Former Syracuse Chiefs announcer Matt Vaskersian on the call there. And uh, Jay Bruce, as uh, our friend Linda Cohn would say, former Met, now good, has been picked up by Cleveland. How how fortunate does it feel to... uh, be able to jump from uh, a team that was not going to make the playoffs to one right in the thick of it, and he is paying off. So Jay Bruce with the home run, and the Yankees could not get it going offensively. Didn't have a hit until 
the fifth inning, and so Bauer shoved it. Terry Francona looks like a genius as uh, he saves his best pitcher for second and still gets a shutout out of his second or third best starting pitcher. So the Yankees are in trouble, need to earn a split of the series in Cleveland. They play tonight CC Sabathia, the former Indian on the mound. That is a 5-0-8 first pitch, 5 o'clock start time there. Sabathia against Kluber in a matchup of Cy Young Award winners. Is that game on 1200, Paul, or just on TK? Just on TK. Okay. We try, so to, try, to, we try to push the people to TK. We okay. Got, we got so crunch and uh, that's right. high school football tonight. Yes, I heard that uh, in the promo with Max. So uh, crunch and their season opener are on the road in Ra-Cha-Cha, and then they host the Amherst tomorrow night at 7 in the uh, crunch opener over at the War Memorial. It'll be a nice double header for uh, fans that want to you can maybe sneak in the triple header if you want to pick your apples between the games, but you've got the football game at 1230 and the hockey game puck drop at 7 o'clock. So the Astros and Red Sox are playing game two. Houston up in the series one nothing thanks to Jose Altuve, who hit not one, not two, but three home runs yesterday. Eight players have hit three homers in a postseason game. Altuve has homered twice. Look out here. Look out now. You want to join Babe Ruth on the list? He just did. Physically, no one would ever confuse Altuve with the Sultan of Swat. But he's on the same list now. And all three were crushed. No doubters. The great Bob Costas, Jose Altuve, took Chris Sale deep twice. The ace pitchers for these teams have not been that so far. We'll see if Kluber has it for the Indians tonight, Clayton Kershaw, etc. Dallas Keuchel is on the mound right now for the Astros. We'll see if the Aces look to be the Aces, but so far they have not. But the story is the tiniest good player in baseball, Jose Altuve, three home runs. And, Pauly, that gives uh, Bob Costas, by the way, not a large person, the legendary one on the call of that. And uh, that gives hope. Polly, I think the little people everywhere. It so does, you, Altuve, do you have an Altuve poster? It, you know, it's it doesn't make sense. He's he's the same height as me, and about six pounds more, and he's hitting that ball that far. He hits it, bombs. It doesn't make sense, it, and it makes me question the game again. Well, he's a bun, uh, in in terms of either juicing or balls juice. Yeah, he's, Brett uh, Butler wasn't hitting the ball. Ever. No, Brett Butler was bigger than Altuve <laughs> by quite a bit. I would think uh, Altuve is a bundle of muscle. And okay. has a tomahawk eye-high swing. And, well, he hits everything. He's the best hitter in the game, arguably. Certainly pound for pound. And is able to get on high fastballs and drive him out of the ballpark. He's impressive. Yeah, like David Eckstein, not hitting that ball that far. Not at all. Same size. Hitting it frequently, just not <laughs> far. I mean, it does make me question the... What would you do in the batter's the box? The sanctity against... of the game. Oh, my God, I couldn't make contact, <laughs> and I'd cry. <laughs> You'd be a nice stand-in though for Altuve. I could probably draw a walk if I had a if I squatted really Crouch well. Crouch a little stance. bit, close down that stance. I'd like to see you at second base for the Astros. There he is, little little guy on the screen right now. Game's on as we speak on Fox Sports One and also on AM twelve hundred. If you'd like to check that out during our commercials, of course. So uh, that was some of the baseball and in football last night. The next weekend of uh, ACC football began on a Thursday. Of course, it began in the NFL, too. The Patriots with a win against the Bucks. And uh, do we know yet whether the Bucks field goal kicker is job hunting this morning? I would imagine 
Uh, he ought to be polishing up the resume because that has been a grease fire for the Bucks. That's but, where Tam, the kickers go to die. In yeah, Tampa, right? Roberto Aguayo, they picked him mm-hmm. the second round, cut him, and then Nick Folk, right? Nick Folk was there, three it's missed field goals last stadium's night. stadium's built on an ancient burial ground of yeah. horrible kickers. Martin Gramatica. <laughs> uh, anyway, in college football, good game last night with ranked teams, Louisville at NC State, and it was really all Wolfpack. They end up winning it 39-25. They had big plays in the running game. They threw it deep. Here's Ryan Finley to the speedster, Kelvin Harmon. Finley to throw in the pocket. Fires long over the middle. It is caught the five-yard line. Touchdown, State. Touchdown, Wolfpack. It's Kelvin Harmon on the receiving end. Last night, Gary Hahn on the call there, and uh, Carter Finley Stadium was awfully excited. NC State did uh, continue its streak without throwing an interception. They did claim an interception from Louisville. Lamar Jackson was over 425 yards total offense and accounted for uh, three touchdowns in this game. He still is a beast, and anytime he's on the field, your team's got a chance. But here's a late pick by linebacker Jermaine Pratt that sealed the deal and set off the celebration in Raleigh. Second and 10. Jackson throws middle. Tipped up and intercepted. Touchdown. They haven't had a celebration like that in a long while here in Raleigh. There's uh, Dave Fleming, Syracuse master's degree holder on the uh, call there on ESPN and NC State now five years in Dave Doran they had never beaten Florida State they had never beaten Louisville they've accomplished both of those Clemson they have never beaten in, in those five years and they were within a field goal of knocking off Clemson last year and uh, they will obviously meet later this season so uh, lots going on there in terms of the conference as for the Orange their first conference home game Pittsburgh in the Carrier Dome tomorrow with a 12:30 kickoff, lots going on related to that game. We'll visit with West Durham of the ACC Network about that when we continue. On the other side of this timeout, we'll talk hoops. Mike Waters from Syracuse.com. What are his impressions of what we ought to expect for this season now that practice is underway and the first exhibition game is about four weeks away? You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Tune in every Monday as Hall of Famer Floyd Little talks SU football with Steve and Seth on Orange Nation. Brought to you by Drivers Village and William Matar. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Sunday, the Giants return to New York to face the Chargers. Pre-game at noon. Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse here until 3 o'clock on this Friday. First uh, rainy day we've had in a while. The weather taking a downturn, but uh, looking to be in the dome tomorrow. Maybe one of those days where we're thankful for the roof. We're always thankful for Mike Waters. We welcome him into the show. Hello, Michael. How are you? Matt, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. Trying to figure out this afternoon talk show thing. That's a that's a full time task. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it appears you're still on the air, so well, I'm giving you a big thumbs up. <laughs> oh, the, well, oh, there we go. No, we could could have lost it uh, right there. Yeah, we made it. I think a month or pretty close to it. We can round up. So I'm excited about that. Good uh, for you. <laughs> but uh, never a bad time to be talking hoops and. Uh, you know, people are starting to wonder now. Practice has started, and what do you see, and what do you think, and all that. And I, I'm a little uh, 
reticent right now to make any uh, predictions based on the, the limited stuff that I've ducked in on. But uh, what, what's your gut feel for right now in terms of uh, a season that starts in a month and, and what we're in store for here? I'm like you. I, I don't like to make rash you know, predictions and prognostications based on just a few chances to get to see the, the, the guys work out. Uh, you know, it's, it's just such a limited view. And you're seeing them go up against each other. You're just basically you're seeing a few of the veterans play against incoming freshmen, and in some cases you're seeing incoming freshmen playing against incoming freshmen. I don't know if that tells me exactly how they're going to look when they run into Kansas down in Miami in early December or Connecticut or Georgetown later on in December. Overall, it's a long, lanky very athletic bunch. Um, they're, they're young, though. It, it is unbelievable. Uh, you know, out of the 10 scholarship players, how many new faces there, there are. I mean, four incoming freshmen. Uh, Elijah Hughes, the transfer from East Carolina, will sit out this year. And of course, you know, Matt Moyer is a, is a redshirt freshman. We know him. Uh, he was on the team last year, but he sat out, didn't play. So there's just so many new faces. But it, I, I think it makes it a little bit exciting. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see where this team goes and and how they develop. And you know, they are young. And I and I think I wrote earlier this week. I wrote a story about how they were the least experienced team or the second second least experienced team in the ACC based on career starts among the guys that are going to play this year. And but here's the thing: they do have experience in the backcourt. From Frank Howard to Tyus Battle and even Geno Thorpe, the transfer from South Florida, they do have experience at the guard spots. And if if you're going to be experienced in any one position versus the others, you always take the backcourt because those are the guys with the balls in the hands and those are the guys making the decisions. Yeah, you know, just watching what I've seen so far, you can tell, you know, hey, there, first of all, there's a lot of new guys here. And you look to see the body language and how do the Geno Thorpes and, and Elijah Hughes types uh, fit in because they're new to the system. And they've got to learn where to be and, and uh, how to be coached by this group and, and uh, how the ball goes here at Syracuse, et cetera. And, and I think, as you point out, some of that experience is translatable. Geno Thorpe's been in a lot of games and uh, has played at a high level. Might not be the ACC, but he's a veteran. He's had the ball in his hands a great deal. And uh, even a Frank, more so than Frank Howard, you would say up until this point. So uh, Frank can learn from him, and et cetera, and vice versa. So uh, there's an opportunity for those guys to, to mesh. It, you know, the athleticism to me is very apparent. I I texted uh, our friend Jim Saddle in leaving practice the other day. He said, "What'd you think?" I said, "Well, 25 is good," and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty incredible. Tyus Battle, he. There was a ball that was kind of a, an overthrown pass along the baseline that I would say, with most people tracking it down, it would have hit the wall. He not only kept it in bounds, but dunked with two hands. So uh, he is, I think, prime for a big year. The question is going to be, how does he do it being the number one person on the scouting report? Because uh, I'm not sure there's a ton more uh, to balance him, and uh, he is not going to sneak up on anybody. That's the thing with, with Ty. I, I agree with you. Uh, been up there now for about three or four different practices and he just jumps off the page at you he looks so much better than he did last year and i thought he was pretty good last year uh he seems to be a lot more confident 
even though he's only a sophomore because of his number of starts last year and because everybody else is new, he, he seems to be leading a little bit more, talking to some of the young, younger players, helping them out, you know, helping Elijah Hughes out with the system, helping Howard Washington get through drills. And I agree. You know, he's going to be the guy. He's he's obviously going to be your, your primary go-to offensive player. The, the big question is, is how hard other teams are going to make it for him. I mean, he might score 16 to 18 points a game, but it, 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 he's going to be the number one guy on everybody's scouting report. So, you know, he, he's got to go from being the third or maybe fourth guy that other teams talked about for most of last year to now being number one. And that's a big jump. No doubt. Visiting with Mike Waters from Syracuse.com. Long time basketball beat writer here. Very long time. A couple of decades. And oh, thanks. Uh, just, just, you know, I was trying to, trying to build that up. Uh, seniority and credibility is what you have there. Michael. Okay. You, I just thought you were outfitting yeah. me, you know, for, you no. know, retirement ceremony <laughs> or something. Not, not just yet. We'll get your, your yellow jacket in, in due time. I, I uh, <laughs> uh, was watching the other day and just kind of leaning against the wall with Quentin Hillsman, the Syracuse women's basketball coach. Specifically on battle, I said, how cool is it when your best player is also the guy echoing the calls from the coaches and, as you said, positioning people and that type of thing. We talk about that in football a lot where you know Zaire Franklin has no choice but to be the guy out in the middle of that big football field telling everybody where they uh, need to line up and, and keeping all things copacetic. But uh, battle is not too cool for it, and, and that's refreshing to see. He's such a hard worker, too. And, and I saw this when I went down and saw him play in high school. And, and actually, I saw him in an off-season workout. It was the first time I ever saw him. And he, his work ethic as a, as a high school kid was off the charts. Uh, he gets a lot of it from his dad, but it's not like dad had to force him to do it. A dad just kind of said, okay, let's go. And, and, and Tyus would, would go off and take over. I mean, his weightlifting uh, regimen in high school. I couldn't believe it. I, I had not seen that from many high school players, certainly not a guard, uh, maybe like some power forward with the physique of an Adonis sort of light weightlifting. But Tyus Battle was a six foot five, six, six guard and he attacked the weights and just totally outperforms his, his high school teammates. He was the guy there, that, you know, leading them, pushing them to do more when you could tell a few of them were kind of ready to, to grab their iPhones and, and head out into the parking lot. I, so I think you're seeing just his, his natural personality come through a little bit more now that he's a sophomore. And when you look around, there's no Tyler Lydon, there's no Andrew White, uh, Daylon Coleman and Tyler Roberson. All the, all the guys that were veterans on last year's team are gone. He, there's a big void, and it really has to be filled by Tyus. And we keep talking about him, but let's not overlook Frank Howard in this mix. He's a junior. He's played for two years up there. He was on a Final Four team. He saw significant minutes in, in that postseason run two years ago. He did start 14 games. Frank Howard could be a very important uh, piece to this team. There's no question that he is, and I'm confident that we'll see a, a newer and improved Frank Howard. He's had a couple of chances. There's a couple of times, you know, all of last year we said, okay, this is when it's going to click, and it still really hasn't. But uh, I'm confident that he, there, it's worth one more shot here to see what he's got, he, he just carries himself to me to be a, a little bit more of a veteran player. You know, you talked about what jumps out. Certainly, you don't have to watch much time before you realize that Tyus Battle is a stud and uh, the best player on the floor. But then you can sort of sift through, right? Who's 
just with a casual eye, I think the younger guys, the more experienced guys, and Frank Howard carries himself like uh, he he's been around a little bit and uh, has broken the seal, and, and and we'll see what he's got. Uh, fans can get their first look at uh, the team at the Orange versus White scrimmage two weeks from tonight in the dome. Uh, so do stay tuned for more information on that. Um, Mike, the biggest news item of late is this uh, verbal commitment of Jalen Carey. Uh, I was at the Top 100 camp. I've been there the last couple of years, and I did not get a chance to see Jalen in person. Uh, did see a lot of the other guys that uh, Syracuse is recruiting, but uh, I, I knew then, and you know, we were aware that Carey has been a, a person of interest, and and uh, not only interesting and exciting that he's coming, but that it's in any if it's in any way connected to the fallout at other schools. Uh, what a story this is about to be over the next few months in college basketball. Who knows where this FBI investigation is going to take the game of college basketball. Uh, Hopefully it takes it to a good place, maybe a better place. Um, But I think in the short term, there's going to be a lot of pain and anguish and suffering. And, you know, I know there's just probably a lot of coaches and a lot more fan bases just crossing their fingers that, that it doesn't, Hit them. Uh, rumors today of uh, some, you know, college, uh, national college reporters tweeting out cryptic things like, you know, here investigation uh, will re- lead to more indictments, uh, maybe in the next two weeks. I think I saw uh, Bruce Feldman, mm-hmm. uh, who's normally a college football reporter, but obviously he's got contacts throughout the college sports. I think he put that out. So, I'll throw this one out here. In not knowing where this may lead, what if it led here? Three premier ACC programs might not be eligible for next year's tournament. If North Carolina were to take a self-imposed ban, because we don't know what their penalties are going to yeah. be and whether they'll appeal them, but you know the, the whole self-imposed thing has become like a, the, the trend in college basketball. Louisville did it. Syracuse did it. So North Carolina takes a one-year ban. What happens with Miami and Louisville? You figure they would just say, hey, we've been to the last two Final Fours. We'll sit this one out. Is it, that, that's kind of how they would phrase it. Yeah, Roy Williams looks at Joel Berry and says, you know what? You already got your MVP <laughs> of the Final Four award. You know, we're not going to feel too bad if we sit this one out. And by the way, we protect our recruiting. Uh, but what, in Louisville and Miami are the subject of this FBI investigation. We don't know what's going to happen with these, with these teams. We really don't. Uh, you know, it's been really quiet down in Miami while over in Louisville, Rick Pitino's out of the job and the AD's on administrative leave. And today, two more assistants are placed on administrative leave. I, I, I cracked a joke on Twitter today saying, okay, listen, I know everyone's thinking it. I'll volunteer to coach uh, as an assistant <laughs> at Louisville this year. Because right now, David Patchett is very lonely. He's the right. interim coach. He's in his mid to late 20s, and he's got no staff. And he has a six-month contract, so uh, don't get too comfortable in that seat. And, right, I mean, so it, 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 what a mess it is. But obviously, Louisville uh, is a giant in the industry and and figures to be going forward. Um, Mike, I'm not sure how uh, regularly, probably not at all, that you listen to the show, but we do have a, a little bit of a ground rule that Polly is allowed to ask one question per show, and uh, he is playing that card right here. I was, gonna, I was not made aware of this. Yeah. I protest. <laughs> I was going to go with who's third on your uh, scouting report for Syracuse, but I'm going to go. You do Q and A's on Twitter all the time, Mike. How do yeah. you get through those without throwing your computer through a wall with the questions? And uh, how how down in the dumps would you say the average Syracuse fan is prior to this year about recruiting? Okay, that's a bunch of questions <laughs> for one. Um, you, you might have to refresh me when they get to the end. 
Uh, getting through Q and A's to me is, is I, I think it's fun. Uh, yes, do I roll my eyes every once in a while at some questions? Sure, but I think it, for the most part, if it, if it was a question answered and uh, asked in earnest, then you know what? Somebody needs an answer, and I and, I, and I'll give it to them. And um, you, you never know. Sometimes uh, you guys don't even see some of the questions. I'll answer some people privately. Uh, I'll, I'll email them directly. I won't. If it's a question that I think might lead to someone's embarrassment, I won't do that to people. I'll, I'll just email them an answer, and they'll usually respond and say, okay, thank you, and, and, and I'll be done with it. Um, but, but, yeah, sometimes the, the Twitterverse is an interesting place at, at times. Um, what was your other question about? And uh, where would you put the level of despair for the average Syracuse fan in recruiting? Coming into I this. tell you what, it's not where it is today is a lot higher than where it was last spring and certainly last fall. I mean, when Syracuse lost Quad A Green to Kentucky and then Jordan Tucker to Duke, the the sky was falling around here. I mean, heads needed the role. Jim Beheim had lost it. Uh, you know, Jerry McNamara couldn't recruit at all. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable to see the reaction. When really you had just lost two recruits to two of the biggest recruiting powerhouses in the country. I mean, the Golden State Warriors lose players to Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, so come on, uh, and, and now they've just turned it around. Uh, I think getting Darius Baisley, the kid out of Ohio, at, at the beginning of the summer, and, and when they got him, I think he was rated by most uh, services in the twenties or thirties, and now he's at the end of summer. He finds himself in the. I think he's number nine on ESPN, and he's in the, the teens on a couple others. He, they knew he was going to be ready to blow up. They knew he was on the verge. Uh, they, they, they wanted to get him. And I think getting him just really swung the momentum for them in terms of recruiting. It, they, they got that commitment right before the July about open evaluation period started, and the SU coaches were able to walk into gyms all over the country going, yep, that's right. You know, we got there. They kind of they, they walked in the gyms the, the, the way Lavar Ball was walking onto a set of a TV show. There's a little bit of strut <laughs> swag. Um, <laughs> well, always good when uh, one guy recruits the next. I think that's always a, a great sign. You see it happen in football more, where the recruiting classes are much more significant. You need 25 guys instead of three or four. But uh, to me, that's neat. It speaks well of Baisley and Kerry, for that matter, and the coaches. Uh, so that's a year off, and uh, Buddy Beheim yeah. in that group too. So uh, we'll do that. But that that's all seems like pretty good news for the time being. And Mike, we appreciate your time. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday. Okay. Hey guys, good talking to you. Have a great weekend. That's H two O. Mike Waters joining us here in, in the booth on ESPN Radio. More to come, including Wes Durham, our friend from the ACC Network, who will be our first uh, dual, first two time guest on the show, a repeater. He was our very first guest when we started a month ago, Polly. Can I bring something else up about the recruiting really quick? Sure. With the, the average fan, Every, the, when he said that Jerry McNamara can't recruit, the, people realize that he turned some average to very good recruits into pro players quicker than than uh, we had expected them to go to the NBA at the guard position. Also, yeah, I mean, I think Jerry's a is a really good coach and will continue to be better. And I I think he knows what he's doing. I I do think in general, it's hard for fans to have an educated opinion on recruiting. It doesn't stop them from participating in the discussion, but uh, more or less, and it's becoming, I guess, easier to follow because of 
the internet and YouTube and a lot of different ways that you can scope people out and compare them. And there's much more of that content uh, than there's ever been before, if that's where you choose to, to spend your time and to, to be educated on it. But uh, it's just a list of names. And, you know, if we don't get this, get the, co- the coaches know a whole lot better. They've seen them in person. They've done the homework. If they're not going after a guy, there's a reason why. Uh, you know, so I, I think that part of my opinion on recruiting has always been just to sort of chill out a little bit uh, unless in some cases I have, you know, personal experience kind of seeing or dealing with the players, then you might have some preferences or, or leaning. But uh, in this case, let's just see what happens and see who actually shows up. And I, I say that even more in football because the recruiting classes are so big, it's not uncommon to the first Wednesday of February to say, hey, here's 25 guys, and then three or four of the five uh, or five of the of the 25 wind up elsewhere for one reason or another. And then even there, that's a long time before they contribute. So, And you've seen a lot of Syracuse players come in that were highly recruited that didn't quite pan out also. So it's, it's a crapshoot. And to freak out or panic over just a list of names, as you would say, early on is crazy. But we're glad they do, Paul. It's that passion that pays the bills. <laughs> Back with more as we continue. West Durham ahead. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care no more. Cam Newton now apologizing. The Panthers quarterback calling his response to a female's reporter uh, reporter's question this week, quote, extremely degrading and disrespectful. On Wednesday, Jordan uh, Rodrigue of the Charlotte Observer asked Newton at a news conference about routes. Newton responded by laughing and saying, quote, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Yeah, I'm punting on this whole thing. It's horrible. We, we crushed Cam Newton yesterday. I drive away from the show and find out now they've discovered that she's got racist uh, tweets and videos and in her past so he said a stupid thing she's done stupid stuff he apologized for it let's move on i just think it's time we stop making people saying dumb things 24 hours worth of news right every human is probably not a good person everybody's probably said something dumb in their life and they will say something dumb it's not news move on he apologized. Yeah, I think with him it just seemed to be so avoidable and not really calculated. He didn't roll out of bed saying, I'm doing this today, but he just stepped in it in such an obvious way. That's how I was uh, kind of commenting on it uh, yesterday, but it it, it's just it's just bad. And anytime somebody says something stupid, we all have to be offended on behalf of everyone. You know, I'm, it doesn't I'm over it. 24 hours worth of coverage. Amen. According to the BBC, Qatar may not host the 2022 World Cup. The Middle Eastern country having problems with some neighboring nations. There are also concerns about corruption in the bidding process what? and infrastructure. The corruption in the bidding process was how they got it in the first place. The whole thing is a joke. It's 120 degrees there. Their best idea was to make a fake mechanical cloud to uh, shield them from the sun. And how many people have been killed? The migrant workers. On, what a joke. Get, get them out of there. Should, should never been in there in the first place. I agree. And some new emojis coming to iPhones will include genderless emoji with uh, various skin colors and age differences. You'll also see new clothing emoji like a hat, scarf, gloves, and a trench coat. Who cares? I love emojis. 
They, I know, they, yeah, they well, share your emotions through a smiley face. I, I will admit that I've become increasing, increased my emoji use probably tenfold in the last year or so. So I will drop an emoji on you once in a while. But I, I don't really stray that much from the thumbs up and the various Refrain from smiles. hard eyes to anybody. Yeah. That's my advice. I don't I don't see that one happening. Trench coat is kind of strange. That's so creepy. That's like flasher. We're emoji. out of here. West Durham coming up in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Syracuse returns home Saturday to battle rival Pittsburgh. Pre-game at 10.30. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Stretch run on the show here until 3 o'clock today. Visiting with Wes Durham of ACC Network. He was our first ever guest on the program a month ago, and therefore he becomes our first repeat. Hello, Wes. How are you? <laughs> What's up, Park? Is, is that Paulie a, uh, still on this program? Does he have a larger role? Or well, here's he his role. role of, is <laughs> so, he playing the role of a Tim Brando analyst, appearing <laughs> in a non-speaking role? <laughs> Since you asked, his role, he just turned to me at 2.46 for a show that kind of uh, has a end post here at 2.55, and he says, you know what? Wes is in town. We should have invited Wes down to the studio. <laughs> Thanks, Polly. You're the man. So, you know, I told him he had meetings and stuff, but, you know, it, the open invite there, Wes, if you ever want to come. I mean, I don't know if we could fit another person in this uh, studio, but you're certainly welcome. Thanks. I look forward to that. Maybe during hoops we can get that done. I like that. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll put that in pencil. Uh, how did the, the meetings go up there? Did you feel uh, senses of urgency and all kinds of that stuff? Look, I, I think you've uh, – I, I think, in, you know, obviously disappointing for last week's effort at NC State, especially after you watch them beat Louisville the way they did last night. And I think that – I think the one thing I would tell you in traveling around doing these first five weeks of games in this league is is that Syracuse is a team to me that of the teams in the middle to lower halves of some of these divisions is one that I can see starting to make a turn, even though they may not have the wins to show it. Um, you know, it's an entirely different scenario than North Carolina, an entirely different scenario than, say, Boston College. Uh, even to a degree Pittsburgh, who really doesn't have a win over a team right now that you would say, okay, I can invest in that. I think Syracuse has done some things both sides of the ball, to be honest with you, that I would be encouraged by. You know, Some of these turnarounds don't occur overnight, as you and I have talked about in the past, and I think what Coach Babers has done here in a year in, in five ball games is, is not bad. And the building block process can be, in really some ways, exemplified by what Dave Doran's done at NC State but at the same time, I think everybody's script's a little different. Well, I was just going to say, NC State is five years down the road, and Syracuse is two years down the road. So that's right. why uh, last week it was a big deal that NC State had its front seven all seniors. It had mm-hmm. something like six or seven guys that had started 20-plus games, You know, basically two-year starters across the board. Syracuse will have that at some day, just today's not that day, and yeah. they're, they're headed in, in the right Direction. I also think the thing that distinguishes Syracuse from some of the other teams you mentioned, and and let's give Wake Forest a little credit that they're you know on the come and, and uh, they're steadily improving. They had a long way to go. Syracuse, because of its style, can put up big points against anybody. It's not that they necessarily have done it every time or, or will do it every time, but I think that that's where the best teams have to be mindful. That Syracuse is capable, you know, if everything kind of clicks, they're there. Whereas, you know, I don't know that you think that 
necessarily from Boston College. It's a defensive-oriented team and, and, and that type of thing. You know, again, among the teams that are in the rebuild situation. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree with you on that. I think the other part about this too is, and this is something uh, we talked about in our player visit uh, with Zaire Franklin and Steve Ishmael, who are two guys that have obviously played a lot of football. In Franklin's case, I'm not sure anybody in history of the Orange is going to play more ball than he will. You know, right. just simply from a snaps perspective. Um, I would add this too. This is some coaching changes are are what I call, you know. Their coaching changes, and there's, let's say, of the nine assistant coaches, let's say seven are brand new. There's a new ops guy. There's a new this. There's a new strength guy, whatever. Very few coaching changes do you see what I call systematic overhauls, okay? This was a systematic overhaul in every way you could humanly do it. From a coaching staff perspective, there are no other coaches from the previous administration. You've got a brand-new athletic director. You've got brand-new strength. You've got brand-new ops. You've got brand-new everything. And there's some, some of the learning process, some of the education process, some of the experience process takes a little longer. Um, but the payoff can oftentimes be greater. I saw it happen at Georgia Tech with Paul Johnson. Uh, granted, they won 20 ball games in their first two years. But at the same time, that, like you're saying, that was as much over – what they were doing as opposed to who was doing it, if you will. And I think there's something to be gleaned from that if you're Syracuse because you've got an opportunity here. I think, number one, you got a couple of wins, but you got some winnable games coming up tomorrow for sure at 1230, and I think some of that falls into place in terms of the building you're doing. Wes Durham is our guest. He'll have the uh, call tomorrow on, uh, as we say around here, you got it on RSN. It's on RSN. Yeah, but it's on the Yes Network in there, this market, there we go. right? That is the particular yeah. RSN, the yeah, regional sports the network. That's the RSN for Central New York. <laughs> it's, not, it's not on uh, which RSN. So you're probably following uh, center stage with, uh, who, who do you think it'll be tomorrow? Paul Simon or Jim Beheim's been on I'm, center stage. So you, you, oh, has he? Yeah, so you could yeah. be. Uh, maybe maybe it'll be center stage tomorrow with uh, Robert De Niro because I think he's done one. Has I like that. John Sterling is the one that I want to see because that, that's got to be a lot of fun. Uh, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> last minute or so uh, with West Durham and NC State. I think we kind of foretold this going into the game. Look, they're better than people think. They win big oh, yeah. last night, and uh, boy, they got to be licking their chops there in, in Raleigh now for another shot at Clemson and, and a chance to do some things and get to a really good bowl this year. Well, November 4th is going to end up being a very big day in the ACC at the script holds here, which typically it doesn't. Let me add that. Right. Um, because you get NC State, Clemson, you get Virginia Tech, Miami, both the same day. Um, so you very well could walk yourself into the script for the title game in Charlotte. That all being said, there's still plenty of ball left to be played uh, all over this league to determine a lot of things. There's a big, you know, obviously big ball game next weekend with Georgia Tech and Miami uh, in Coral Gables that was supposed to be played on Thursday and pushed back a couple of days because of the reschedule. And Miami's got to exercise some demons tomorrow afternoon too, Matt. Don't forget yep. that. I mean – you got to beat Florida State if you're Miami. You're in a position to do it. A lot of people think they will. I do. I think they'll win the ball game. But I think this league is the, – the good thing for all of us is this league is standing up again nationally with its, uh, with its peers, and that's important. It wasn't just a fly-by-night situation where you had you know, some really good teams last year. Yeah, Miami uh... – against Florida State tomorrow on the road in Tallahassee. And FSU feels like kind of a, a wounded animal here, and people are lining up to take their cracks at them while they can. So, Wes, we appreciate the time. We'll look forward to seeing you in the Dome tomorrow, okay? 
Look forward to it, Matt. Thanks again. Appreciate the time. You bet, Wes Durham. He's the best. He and uh, James Bates on the TV call tomorrow. For those of you uh, listening locally here in central New York, you can check it out on Yes. Joe is back for the last minute of the week. All right, here's what we learned this week. When Dino Babers was working at the University of Pittsburgh, he once used Magic Shave. Uh, we Originally lear- reported as Nair, he has cleared the record, Magic Shave. Magic Shave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned that this time of the year, if you're going on a first date, do not carve pumpkins. Yeah, Polly, I think with a really spot-on pick there, uh, I don't think it's a bad date idea, but Polly did point out all the various things that could go wrong, and uh, probably not a great first impression to be made by the serial killer that you might look like <laughs> while carving up a pumpkin. Yeah, No sharp knives on first dates, and uh, according to Matt, do not go apple picking during SU games. Love apples. Love football. Love everything that can be made with apples. Hot, cold, potable. You just don't have to get them during the game. I think there's plenty of other time to pick the apples. Let the leaves fall a little bit more. Enjoy that hayride out there. Go to the football game. Get your apples another time. They also have them in grocery stores now, I've noticed. If you want to just do that, apples that are already picked and bagged. All right, it's been a good week. Back at it Monday, 2 o'clock. Hope to see you at the Dome and around on campus tomorrow. The Cuse and Pitt at 1230. For Joe, Polly, and the crew, I'm Matt. So long. It's In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.